You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you can join us. Welcome. We're here today with Brenda Montecalvo. Dr. Montecalvo is an OD. She's a fellow in the FCOVD, the AAO, and the College of Syntonic Optometry. She's a practitioner in Beaver Creek, Ohio, and she's recently written a book called Visual Secrets for School Success. We're going to talk a little bit about how school success is something that ODs in in any situation can talk with parents about. It's a great point of engagement uh, and gives folks something extra out of their, their appointment. Dr. Montecalvo, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thanks so much for the invitation to talk about one of my favorite subjects about how we can improve lives uh, in learning life and business, talking about the over 40 visual skills important for learning. And on only one is 2020 eyesight. And when I was young, I was raising young children, practicing busy, and they were in school. And we actually were in Montessori, and then we moved into a, private, a public school. And we ended up getting homework, which we weren't ready for. And so my mom, being an optometrist, teaching me about vision therapy, I knew lots of tiny little visual secrets to help kids improve their learning skills in areas of math, spelling, reading, handwriting, and composition. So I took what I knew about vision and vision therapy and turned them into building skill sets so academics could be learned easier in a shorter period of time, giving families more time for fun friends and doing what they want to do rather than hours and hours of homework. And so what I did is I created activities that can build skill sets that allow kids to be able to read faster, write better, master math and spelling in a shorter period of time. So we were successful at that. My kids were able to get all of their work done in the classroom, not bringing a book home until maybe they were in high school and still getting straight A's and doing well. Yes, I think they're smart, but not any smarter than the other kids that we have uh, out there that they can be given these skills at any age and any level of intelligence and they're very successful for the families so they can have better quality of life. What are some of these strategies? So what I did is, uh, you know, I took each subject and I looked at what were the things that were really time consuming that we could shorten easily. Now, all of us know our kids are always busy in lots of activities, lots of sports. So I call it, you know, we're commuting everywhere. So could I create uh, things they could do while they're commuting? So one simple example is spelling words. So what we would do is we write their spelling words on a sticky note and stick it on our steering wheel. So on the way to church, we'd be talking about spelling words. So they'd be learning their spelling at the same time we were on our way to, to a church or an activity. And so an example would be, I would say, okay, um, what I'm amazed by is most kids don't know there's a vowel in every syllable of the English language, except for just a few words. And so I taught them to break down words into syllables. So for example, reptile. I would say, how many syllables? What does the first syllable sound like? Rep. How many letters do you see that would represent that word? And there are three. And then I would ask, what's the first letter? What's the second? What's the third? 
Then I would say, what's the second syllable? They would say tile, and there's four letters there. So there's seven letters total in reptile. So I would again go through tile. One through seven letters, reptile. So what's the first letter? What's the fifth letter? What's the second letter? What's the seventh letter? Then I would ask them to spell the word forward, R-E-P-T-I-L-E. Then I would ask them to spell it backwards, E-L-I-T-P-E-R, without any hesitation. Once we got through every spelling word that they could break down into syllables, spell forward and backwards, no matter what letter we called off, then when I have them write it down one time, just like the teacher gives their quiz at school, and that we would do that once, like usually on a Sunday night, and then one more time before the test, and they get 100% every time. By building that visual skill to see those words, being able to spell them forward or backwards, by the time they got to junior high, they could take their 25 spelling words and look at them and instantaneously spell them without any practice at all, which was huge time-saving when they had, then they could spend time more on the higher level activities, algebra, calculus, whatever. So that was one spelling idea that we had. We did the same kind of idea when we're talking about essay writing. A lot of kids don't use their words verbally. We all know that as we get older here, we use digitals, a lot less language skills developed. So what we would do in the, in the van is we say, okay, we're gonna say a word, and it's a game. You get one point every time you use that word in the story. You get a second point if you use a five-word sentence. People that are poor at writing, they're gonna use small words and short sentences if they're graded on grammar all the time. So we want to expand the adjectives and adverbs utilization in essay writing to make it more exciting and interesting. So like, for example, basket. Every time they use the word basket, they get a point, and then they would tell a story about a basket, and they would expand that. So uh, that was a way to develop their language skills. But if you can speak well, language-wise, you can write well. With presentations about vision and math, we found out that being in uh, near Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, lots of engineers, I discovered that people that love math still count steps as an adult. So most engineers know exactly how many steps it is to their car, to their office, from the office to the bathroom, because every step is always counted. So the higher level math they achieve, it seems like the more they count. Kids and people that don't like math never remember counting steps when they were young. So why is that related to vision? So the space between two and three literally is the same as it is between seven and eight. So when you physically move through that space, your body feels that that space is the same. Kids that have problems with math think that the bigger the number, the further apart they are. And so it makes no sense, so it's pure memorization. So then in the van, we'll say, okay, we have we understood the number line. We know zero through 10. I say, I'm standing on five. How many steps to four? How many to two? How many to eight? And I want it spontaneous. I don't want them to count it. I want them to know every time they're on eight, it's two to zero. 28 is two to 30. 48 is two to 50. So you have that number set sense. And every time it gets to zero, it starts all over again. Once they have that, they add and subtract quite easily. And it gets you way ahead. It allows you to have more time then to complete an assignment, and then you take out the other assignment you had last hour, and you finish that. I think we get not really good study skills, but how to learn by using vision as maximum potential. Because 
as you're describing these things, they're they're not to me. They're not quite sounding like visual cues, right? I mean, we, some of this is is visualizing skills almost. Exactly, as I said, there's over forty visual skills for processing information. So 2020 eyesight is usually what people get hung up on. Only yeah, sure. one of one of those skills is 2020. Right. So our biggest challenge in optometry is helping the public understand there's way more than 2020 eyesight. So I challenge my audiences, if you close your eyes, can you still use vision? Hmm. Of course. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when we're driving, judging where the world is around us, that's reaction time. We need to know where things are. Herring's laws are all based on visual direction. So our eyes tell us how fast we're going from one place to another. Mm -hmm. Nothing else is better. No other sense is better than that, right? So spatial organization, figure ground, being able to pick the figure up from the background, that's a visual skill. So mm -hmm. when you're reading, if the words are getting smaller and smaller paragraphs, if you lose your place and you have poor figure ground, you can't find it because the background becomes all the words that are confusing because they don't know where they were. Figure ground then helps improve reading. Closure is another suggestion. So closure is you're reading a story. Closure allows you to predict what's going to happen. Okay. So you see that happening in your mind. So there's a visual closure test in uh, one of the tests we do in vision therapy. And it's been shown that if you have poor visual closure skills, you actually would not be a good driver. So after like a, a brain insult, that's one of the things that would limit you from driving. Because if you're driving along and you see a scene, you're going to anticipate what's going to happen next. That's closure. So if a kid's playing with a ball, you have to say, oh, I've got to be careful. If he drops the ball, i got to be ready to stop. So no other sense will tell you that but your visual sense. Interesting. So when you're walking into a room, you say, oh, I forgot what I wanted to do here. That's kind of like motor planning. So more specific visually, if I do a saccade and I shift my eyes right to left, that happens in frontal lobe. I have to predict and plan to move my eyes from one point to the next. Right. So those are all visual skills that we use in a complex form just to live our daily lives. But in vision therapy, we can understand which of those visual skills are mismatched and not developed properly. So it sounds like we could all benefit for some, from some vision therapy. Well, as our brains age, absolutely. So mm -hmm. um, it depends. And so our question becomes, what in life can you not do that you want to be able to do? Mm -hmm. So let's find out what visual skills you need for that. You have two possibilities. You're either not using the skill that you have mm -hmm. or you have to redevelop a skill to use it. I had an example of a child that was failing all of her spelling tests. And yet when I did random uh, letters or numbers, like she could repeat random letters up to 12 digits. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't believe you're failing your spelling. And I said, don't you see a picture of the words when you're doing your spelling test? She goes, yes, but if I looked at it, that would be cheating. Oh. And so I was like, no, that's not cheating. I said, I said, you can do that. That's fair. And so I often ask kids, how did you come up with that answer? Or how did you do this? And I listen to how they're doing it, and they're making it the hard way. Mm. And so... What happens is sometimes we make kids do things too early 
and they create splinter skills that interfere with what we call automaticity. What automaticity is, is being able to do activities without thinking. So like an athlete, when they're playing in the zone, that means they're just on and there's like no effort, right? So reading is like that. They just are reading and it just happens versus sounding every word out, making it really regimented. There's no automatic happening. And so our goal in learning is to become so automatic, it's effortless. And so when you reach that, you get it done in a shorter period of time. Right, right. So how do you introduce these concepts to your patients? So we have patients coming in for different reasons, right? So, you know, the ones that are coming in that are referred are specific for issues that they can't achieve. So academically, they'll be behind. Uh, we have a lot of brain injury. We have patients that are aging and they're having problems with memory. So I go for what in the case history tells me that they're not as successful in life as they want to be. And then I go and dig deeper to find out what's stopping them from achieving those successes. And so I look at those visual skills. There's, you know, I can probably chair side during an eye exam, get a good sense of a good probably 20 of them. And then I get an idea of which one's riding well versus not. And so, so for example, if they're, they're slow readers and still sounding everything out as an adult, you know, we're going to go back and look at their tracking skills, binocular skills, things like that. Uh, if they're having headaches and eye strain, neck and shoulder pain, we're going to more look at their focusing system, accommodation, and we're going to look at their eye teaming or um, eye alignment systems mm -hmm. to interfere with that piece. If they are having problems remembering what they're reading, their comprehension is interfered with. So we have to determine what's happening. Are they reading phonetically and not going into automaticity? You know, or... Are they losing their place when they read? Is it figure ground? Is it eye movements? It could be lots of possibilities. Um, and so we got to find out which one is stopping them and then take them through a series of activities. Now, that's more formalized vision therapy. If I think they have the visual skills, like for spelling, they, let's say they can picture an ice cream cone. That's a quick screen chair side. Close your eyes. Can you see an ice cream cone? Mm -hmm. Part of the group will see black. The other part will see it and be able to very, very detailed description. The cone, the how many scoops. Mm -hmm. So there's those that see black and are poor readers, up to about age 12, I can teach to make a visual picture while they're reading. Mm. Those individuals that make pictures, when they read a novel, they see it in their mind. When they go to the movie, the movie's never as good as our minds. So our minds are way better than Hollywood. There's aphantasia for the high-level readers that don't make a picture. They are more technical readers. They like to read for knowledge and technical information. They don't often, not always, often enjoy novel reading because mm -hmm. they, they're reading technically. They're still processing it, but they're a lower-level non-visualizer. So those are the ones we want to get that visualizing kicked in. So there's ways to teach people to read like a 1,000 words a minute and still remember what they read. So there's two programs we use um, after they have the visual skills built up. It's called Vision Builders uh, through OEP, and then there's also Neurovision Trainer. So in there, there's a moving window of sets of words. 
And so a good reader, for example, I might say, okay, put in a thousand words a minute, way faster than they normally read. And then I said, I want you to read that paragraph. Now I'm going to bump it down to 500, which is still pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And then try to answer the 10 questions. After two weeks of doing that, the 500 will start to be slow. Huh. Then you move it up to 1,500 and 1,000 and do the same thing. So basically what you're doing is teaching your brain to take information in instantaneously. There's really good research for that uh, done by a guy named Maximilian Reisenauer. Studied the mid-temporal section of the left side of the brain. And in that area, they determined that visually you can remember way more words than you can phonetically. And there's no phonetic recognition there. So good readers had gigantic responses in that area. Poor readers had small responses. So it shows us that when you really have what they call a gestalt of a word. So if you see the word, say if you see the word table, you see that spelling T-A-B-L-E, right? Table? Yeah. So you should see a table. You should not see the word. Okay. If you turn the word upside down, you still see a table. <laughs> a phonetic reader is going to not be able to read it. They won't see a table. They only see the letters. Mm. That's a, It goes through the frontal lobe for that process. And so when you good readers can read the same speed upside down as they can upside right. So guess what we do to those that are poor readers that have got the skills? We have them read upside down. So chair side, an optometrist can say, oh, you've built the visual skills. You've got them ready. But you're phonetically reading, and that's why you're slow. So let's read. And you have to, when you do upside down reading for kids, it has to be simple reading. So they're not going to stumble on vocabulary. Right. And a couple weeks of that, uh, and they start being reading automatically. I had a, a guy who was sixth grade, did the visual skill activities with vision therapy, got them all built up, but was until not reading. I had him read upside down for a week, everything. And the next week, he was fine, went off to become an A student, went on to college, got a PhD. But he was stuck in phonetic reading. Wow. Dr. Montecalvo, please tell us how uh, optometrists can get visual secrets for school success and how, why they should. Great, thanks. So I actually published Visual Secrets for School Success in 2020. It is available uh, on all the major bookstores, on Amazon, Walmart, etc. So you can easily purchase there. So some optometrists do like to do bulk sales out of their office. And so we do provide that through me. My my email is uh, brenda at brendamonicalvo.com if you're interested in that. Um, and so, you know, one of my lifelong goals is to help helping parents improve their family life. I think it's important to have more time for fun friends and family. I don't think they should be the school's kids when they come home. I think they should be our kids. And so I think the more efficient we can help them with their visual skills and math, spelling, reading, handwriting, and composition, and they can get it done efficiently in the classroom, I think they're going to have a, a more fun when they come home and be happier. And our family life will be really great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WO Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com, through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.